0: and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into the tactical side of Major League Soccer. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Jordan, we have American Soccer Back.
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. NWSL started, MLS is about to start. Let's go.
0: I spent a good chunk of my what was it? Was it Saturday? It was Saturday. Saturday. The days mm-hmm. do run together, but I spent a good chunk of my Saturday on the couch watching nwsl i hope i don't want to say that you did but i hope you did the same because it was pretty fun
1: yeah i i watched both of the games Uh, i thought it was as well you know very interesting to see this is our first real taste of what it's going to look like on little preparation with um heat and altitude and all that that these women had to deal with Um, I thought that there was, there was a big difference between the first game of the day and the second game of the day, just as far as tactics go. And, um, I kind of thought that was going to happen with North Carolina high pressing and, um, finding a way to win there in the late stages of the game. But all in all, it was a good good day
0: of soccer (laughs) it's taking it's taking everything i have not to turn this show away from what it's supposed to be and just talk about rose lavelle and debina but we won't do that because we we really could we could and maybe we'll do that another time but (laughs) jordan today our show is very specific predictions we kind of did this already right this is a bit of a run back but with a new tournament starting up mls is back it's coming july 8th We want to do this again. We did it in preseason. We went through all 26 teams. I think we both thought that doing 26 predictions for this episode would probably be a bit much. But we still have plenty of VSPs to go through. That's that's very specific predictions, by the way. I didn't want to just slide that in there without explaining it. Plenty of very specific.
1: <laughs> it's long. You got to give a little abbreviation there.
0: It's long. We're just saving our vocal cords for for plenty <laughs> of shows to go through when the actual tournament starts. But we've got we've got plenty of predictions today, don't we?
1: Yeah, we do. We each picked five VSPs and. I'm excited to hear what you have because you kind of took over the West, I took over the East, and we're trying to see what exactly we can pick out from all these games that we're going to be seeing coming, starting next week.
0: Yeah, it's soon. It's really soon. One thing before we begin, I know I just started the VSP train, but I hate it. And I'm 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 advocating that we never say it again. I mean, you can say it if you want to. It just didn't come together like I wanted it to.
1: (laughs) I'm fine. I all like that very specific predictions. Okay, gives gives us a little regalness too. It does.
0: It has some real (laughs) taste and refinement to it. So we're. It's also like totally not like we just stole this from the Total Soccer Show, right? I mean, that's not. No, we we would never do that. Mm -mm. I would I would never do that.
1: No, 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 never.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. So, Jordan, I'm going to start us off today. I feel like like you usually start us off because I I ask you to. But today we're starting in Group B, not even Group A. So there's already some some wildness here, but we're starting in Group B. This is the group for the Seattle Sounders, FC Dallas, the San Jose Earthquakes and the Vancouver Whitecaps. Vancouver is where we're starting here. My very first, very specific prediction for the MLS's back tournament is this. And it's a little complicated, but we'll get through it. Don't worry. Okay. The Vancouver Whitecaps left side will end the MLS's back tournament with a net neutral goal contribution difference.
1: That's a very specific prediction. I like where you started. It really is
0: very specific. It was harder. And I think we both felt this a little bit. It's harder coming up with stuff for this tournament because we've already done a lot of this stuff before. Yeah. So we had to get... In the weeds. And, and a lot, they do get easier from here, I promise. But <laughs> let me explain it, right? So by net neutral goal contribution difference, it's a big term, and I couldn't figure out how to say it more succinctly. But all I mean is that the white caps left sided pairing of Ali Adnan and David Malinkovich will contribute to the same number of goals as they directly allow on their side. So let me give an example of this just to okay. help us visualize. Yeah. In their season opener against SKC, Adnan was caught ball watching instead of getting tight to his man in the box, and that allowed Alan Polito to score a header. So that's minus one in my, you know, statistic tally yeah. here. But then later in the game, Milinkovic used a good right foot, dribbled right on past Graham Zuzi, got to the end line, and played the ball across the face of goal for an assist. So one assist, that's plus in the tally, and one negative for not, you know, marking Alan Polito in the box, right? So that's one to one. I wanted to make this prediction like this because I think the white caps left side in a lot of ways is the heart of their team.
1: Hmm. Which is interesting.
0: It is, right? You wouldn't necessarily think that just these two left sided players in a 4-4-2 would be the heart. You think the central midfielder, you think, you know, Cavallini coming in up top, but I really do think that it is those two guys. It's almost like a blessing and a curse, right? In that game against SKC, just as an example, Adnan not marking in the box and Milinkovic coming forward and dribbling a really nice display against Gramsuzzi. Then the following week, Adnan did almost the same thing, except with his left foot down on the left sideline and got an assist against the Galaxy. It's these two players that have such either a positive or a negative impact into the Whitecaps. And I want to see how they're going to play in this tournament.
1: I like that. Okay.
0: Have you seen, Jordan, have you seen much of these two guys? Because honestly, until I was researching for this, I hadn't.
1: I've seen more of Adnan than I have Milinkovic, And I think I would agree with Adnan's ability to contribute going forward. Sure. Right there. I, a lot of goals that I have that come top of mind to me that I've seen the Whitecaps score have been a part of the left side. But now I'm going to be more curious to watch on the defensive side as to if those mistakes happen on, on that left side as well.
0: And just to tie in the rest of the group here, before we move on, I'm interested at looking how the battle between Adnan and Milinkovic and then the right sides of Seattle and Dallas and San Jose. I want to know how those matchups are going to go, right? Especially with Tommy Thompson and Christian Espinosa for San Jose and then Reggie Cannon and Michael Barrios. I mean, we've talked about those two guys plenty on this show, those last two, Cannon and Barrios. I want to see if those right sides are having to stay back and deal with the attacking prowess of Vancouver's left side or if the right sides for, for these other teams, especially though Dallas and San Jose, if they push forward and pin Vancouver back and then mm. really make life difficult, especially for Adnan in the box. So just yeah. something I'm going to be watching for to see if Adnan and Milinkovic, the left side for the Vancouver whitecaps are going to end up with a net neutral goal contribution difference in this tournament.
1: All right. There's our first very specific prediction. And it was, I like that. You very started specific. off, you started off hot. And, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go to group A then since. We started with not me and I had group A. <laughs> it just felt weird. We could go wherever I <laughs> wanted to. But I'm going to go ahead and go back um, to group A. And I want to say I'm like completely opposite of you on this one because I am saying New York City FC versus Philadelphia Union is going to be the best game of the group.
0: Ooh. And I
1: said, is this a very specific prediction?
0: I don't know. It doesn't seem like one at first, but I think we can we can work with this, especially because I need to know what defines a good game for Jordan Angeli, because right. once right. we have that established, we're set.
1: OK, so I I said, I, I don't know if this is a very specific prediction, but I think it's worth talking about. So that's why I want to talk about it. I'm here for it. Um Philly hasn't disappointed last year, this season. You know, they had that 3-3 thrill at LAFC early on in those couple games that we saw, um, early in this year. And then New York City FC, they didn't have the results that I think everybody was thinking that they were going to have in the first couple games. One, they had got a red card early in their first match and that just set them off into, you know, a challenging situation for the next match as well. So I don't think we've seen at least this year, what we typically would see of New York City FC. When you're looking at this group, Group A, um, I think one way you can describe it is just wild, right? Like, this is a wild group. There's six teams. Uh Five of the teams have new coaches. Philadelphia is really the only team that has the same coach and maybe the same identity besides New York City FC. I think that the identity of New York City FC is not going to change that much from last year, right? Even though they do have a new coach. Agreed, yeah. So what I'm thinking about this game, and I think a lot of people will look at it and be like, oh, it's the first 9 a.m. game, right? It's their first game of the group. It's the first 9 a.m. game. But players, you're competing at training every day, and you're probably competing at 9 a.m., 10 a.m. in the morning, right? So I don't think it's going to be that hard for these players to get up and be like, okay, I'm ready to compete. What I think is interesting about this game, Joe, is Philly plays a 4-4-2, Diamond, right? A lot of players in the midfield. Say New York City plays in a 3-5-2, which we've seen them play. That's a lot of players in the middle of the field, right? It can be. And it can almost look like a a 3-4-3 at times. So I am just curious, and this is what makes this matchup interesting to me, is who is going to utilize the middle of the field the best? And when Hmm. I say utilize the middle of the field, it means those players manipulating the ball and manipulating space in order to expose the space they really want to. So we see this a lot with Philly, right? They work down the left side and they have Aronson, which brings me to another point. The Aronson and ring matchup. Oh yeah. Right.
0: That's going to be good.
1: (laughs) It's going to be so good. Um, Aronson and the midfield of Philadelphia will squeeze to one side and whether they're counter pressing or they're building the ball up, say they're on the left side, it's two passes later and they can not only exploit the all the space that they've created on the far side of the pitch, but they can also use that internal channel, which I think they're really good at maybe not going all the way to the wing. But then getting, um, shifting everybody to the left that then they can use that right internal channel to exploit, um, some 1v1 or potentially 2v1 situation. So those are kind of the things that make me, my eyes light up and. What, what's a good game to me is just interesting, intriguing, um, matchups. And I think that ring Aronson matchup, two, uh, feisty players, right? Yeah, good yeah. on the ball. Aronson is a little bit more slippery, I think is the word that I like to use <laughs> with, with him. But I, I just think that they're both really, uh, smart, intelligent players who will enjoy that challenge of matching up against each other.
0: Yeah. The, the matchup of this four man diamond midfield for Jim Curtins union and then the three man midfield that Ronnie Dial has used with I mean mostly in a four three three, but it also shifts, right? They'll have one of the center the midfielders drop into the back line and then it does change the shape. And so we see different structures at different times for NYCFC. Mm-hmm. Seeing Damn. how yeah going I saw
1: them play in the first game of the season when they played the crew, they did shift into a three five two. And so I think that they're that That's another interesting thing is, you know how Philly is going to play. You know, they're going to play a four four two But with NYCFC, as you don't know, they can play in a couple different formations, which can help them um, utilize different pockets of space.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, that midfield battle and who will control the midfield space. I think that to me actually is so much of what makes an, an interesting and compelling soccer game. Yeah. It's because that's where a lot of the action comes from. I know I started on the left side with my first prediction. But looking at the middle of the field unlocks the rest of the game in so many ways. And so seeing which team will will control that space in this first nine AM game, it's gonna be fascinating to watch. So right. I love that you brought that to light here.
1: Yeah. So that's my first very specific prediction.
0: Okay. Okay. So then we'll game... figure it
1: out. I mean, we actually won't know for a long time if that is the best play game of the group, but right. um yeah, we'll see. <laughs>
0: One thing, one thing that I should have said before we started these predictions and this is on me, a little caveat here with these players is we we don't actually know for sure which players are going to be available because of potential positive COVID-19 tests. So positive results and quarantines could affect lineup choices and rotations, Mm. as well as, Mm -hmm. you know, fitness and and rotations anyway, they're going to be happening. So just to have that out there, we can't really predict that sort of thing. So I think we both sort of just approach this as if everyone would be available. And obviously knowing that there is a chance that some of these guys with positive tests may have to miss games or or portions of the tournament with being quarantined and keeping everyone safe out there in Florida. So just as an aside there. Okay, Jordan, we're moving on to prediction, very specific prediction number three. This one, I'm just going to keep going in sort of my order of groups. This one's from group D, which is RSL, SKC, Colorado Rapids, and Minnesota United. And my prediction is this. American teenage goalkeeper David Ochoa will get his very first start for Real Salt Lake.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: So last week, last week I said, I want the theme of this MLS's back tournament to be why not? Right? Like why not? Why not, Jordan? You know, it's such a crazy time in a, in a really strange tournament that I mean, hopefully will never happen again for MLS. So in line with that motto that I've adopted, even if I'm quite sure MLS coaches are not going to adopt, why not give the best young goalkeeping prospect in the American player pool a start? Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's that simple why for me. Not? Why not? In preseason and in the first couple of games of the year, Ochoa was behind, I'm a veteran, albeit, but Zach McMath in RSL's pecking order. Ochoa has tournament experience and he has surpassed a number one in a tournament before. He surpassed Brady Scott midway through last summer's U20 World Cup. So why not have that same trend appear in this tournament where Ochoa beats out McMath in the middle of this tournament and gets into the RSL lineup? I think I think it almost makes too much sense. I mean, the group stage, we've talked about this before. There is risk here, and these points do matter. But Ochoa is a talented guy. He showed up in tournaments before. He won the USL Championship with the Real Monarchs in a playoff format, starting in goal for them against Louisville City. I mean, he's done really everything you could want outside of, you know, me having seen him in training for for Freddy Juarez. I don't know how he's performed there, but he's done. He's checked all the boxes leading up Mm -hmm. to this moment.
1: Mm -hmm. That's really interesting, and I think... If you're going to give somebody a chance, you take away at least one of the elements that makes it difficult to be successful in a professional league, which is the crowd. Hmm. it's hard. It's hard to play. You know, I've been watching golf and some of these players are just consistent, right? And that's why they're so good. And I think the consistency, no matter if there's a crowd or if there's not, I think is what separates you from being great, right? And I think if you give these players an opportunity to play when there aren't, where there isn't this bigger element, I think that of the crowd, I think that it could set him up to be successful.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I never thought about getting new players into the lineup or young guys into the lineup um, and having the benefit of taking one variable away and just making something that much simpler and easier for yeah. them. One other thing before we move on, I want to give our listeners sort of a scouting report on Ochoa. I'm guessing most of them have at least heard the name, if not seen him play in USL or for the U-20s or, you know, in the rest of the youth national team levels for the United States. He's got great reflexes really good range not only to get up to protect the top part of the goal but even at 6 foot 3 he can get down to the ground and that's one yeah. of the most impressive things about his game to me he's able to get low and and palm shots away on the floor as well he's got a really strong right foot he's confident he thrives off of like just getting not necessarily getting in people's heads but you're not going to get in his head at the very least he is he's confident even for a young guy and he's a modern goalkeeper really all of those things together um, he's got the good foot skills, not not great foot skills. That's still developing, but he he's willing to play with his feet. He can make big athletic saves. He can get out of his box and stop a counter attack. Why shouldn't he be able to work his way into Freddie Juarez's lineup at least for one game? So that's my prediction. It's gonna happen, David Ochoa. You can write it down.
1: I I kind of feel like Ochoa should like just clip that hype reel you just made for him <laughs> and just listen to that. To remember, like I am good at this, I am good at that. Like he'll be confident he all the time. Games. That's right.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not talking about warm up music. We're talking about warm up podcasts, and this is the snippet. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's
1: so funny! Okay, I love it. Okay, two uh, predictions for you. I my second very specific prediction. I'm going to Group C. That's Toronto FC, New England Revolution, Montreal Impact, and DC United. Uh, My prediction, I'm actually going to go to Toronto for this one, and I am going to say Pablo Piotti will be the newcomer of the tournament with one goal and three assists.
0: Okay, okay. Piotti was a guy I saw them sign recently before the season started, and I knew almost nothing about him or about his playing style or about any of this, so I'm super curious about this one.
1: Yeah, well, I, I think that's kind of the thing is we don't really know, right? And I I, I told you guys last week that I think newcomers, especially attacking newcomers, are going to have the benefit in this mm-hmm. tournament because people aren't going to have the experience to know what it is like to defend against them. And uh, Piotti is one of those players. So I don't even know if they're giving out newcomer of the tournament, but <laughs> I think they should. So can, I'm least. just putting it in there. Yeah. Um, So Piatti has yet to play for Toronto, but I I just was watching clips of him, and he's just so smooth on the ball. When it's on his left foot, it's just, like, attached on a string, and he typically plays on the wing, but one of the things that I noticed is... He's pretty comfortable playing on either wing, um, which is typical of somebody who's really good with their left foot. I think you could probably think of somebody else in MLS good on their left foot <laughs> that is willing to play on either wing. Hmm. Um, the, <laughs> the one thing and why I gave him one goal and three assists is because when he plays on the right side, he has this ability to drive and I saw this numerous times. He will drive like he's going to get to the end line as a winger, like which is something you're taught all the time, right? Try to get to the end line and cut the ball back. There's a higher opportunity to score when you have balls like that um cutting back on the ground. And so with that drive, he's he's he'll dribble with pace towards the end line and he'll do this cut back with the outside of his left foot to bring it back to his left foot. Probably near the top of the 18 as far as closeness to goal. And when he he, you just can't stop the chop back, right? Hmm. Because you have to respect his ability to get to the end line. And so defenders time and time again are getting beat by this cutback. And then he can serve a ball with his left foot on a dime. So when you have players like Josie Altidore in the box... To be able to play the ball on to his head, onto his foot, uh, whatever, uh, on a dime, I think Piotti is going to get a lot of uh, uh, chances. Plus, not only do they have Altidore, they have Pozuelo in attack. It gives the defense so many different things to try to manage that I think we could see a lot of goals from this TFC squad in this tournament.
0: Okay, I love this. I love, first of all, just how specific you are with the the numbers, right? The prediction, (laughs) here: One goal and three assists. Um, I also just appreciate the scouting report on this guy, because to me, Jordan, almost all I had seen about Piotti was, number one, he has the same name as Ignacio Piotti. So it was a little confusing, confusing confusing. Toronto
1: and Montreal, right? Um, And they're in the
0: same group. And yeah, same group. But aside from those things, all I had seen about Piotti was that he's injury prone. Right. So if he can, if he can actually work his way into this lineup, maybe it's a little slow. Maybe he's coming in and playing short minutes. Maybe he's playing a little bit at a time and getting acclimated to the way Greg Vanny wants to play. As long as he can stay healthy, if he can get on his left foot in the attacking area and, and play off of Pozuelo and Altador and, and get balls out from the midfield and Michael Bradley and Osorio and Delgado, this is going to be a really dangerous addition for Toronto FC. Again, with the caveat of him staying healthy, which is true and applies to everyone.
1: Yeah, well, the the thing is and I haven't read anything if he's healthy or not right now, right? So I'm I'm operating on the idea that this last few months is he's gotten healthy and he's able to contribute and um I think the the thing that he can add with the rules of this tournament is there's five subs. Yeah. He really needs to contribute for 45 minutes. If you start him and he just goes at like Toronto goes after a team I think that you can really set the tone at the start of a game and um, or use him in the second half whatever it means whatever it may be like you have five subs to work with and that's a lot of players especially when you're talking about attacking attacking minded um players which Toronto has a lot of mm-hmm. they can sub and have quality players coming off the bench to try to contribute to the team.
0: Toronto's going to be really fun to watch. I'm excited to see what they're going to bring in this tournament Mm -hmm. and hopefully through a little bit of a longer season after we get out of Florida.
2: Hey, this is Daryl jumping in to let you know that today's show is sponsored by Sunday Scaries, the CBD gummies that can help you chill out. And it's good timing because Sunday Scaries just sent me a shipment. It's one of the perks of podcast advertising is sometimes you get some product. So we're going to look in the bag. All right. In the Sunday Scaries bag, we've got ticker tape, very festive. A postcard with Will Ferrell's character from Zoolander on it. He's holding a little dog. All right. We got some gummies. we got the Sunday Scaries gummies, gummies for chilling. And, oh, this is new. This is new. We've got the tincture. I assume, yeah, it's a dropper. You can just drop the CBD on your tongue with Sunday Scaries Tincture. There's also the Yolo Shot in there. That's CBD plus caffeine, energy without jitters, is what it promises on the bottle. I think that little audio unboxing um, is a good representation of the range of products that Sunday Scaries offers. You can get your CBD in gummy form, in Yolo Shot form, or in tincture. If you would like to get 25% off your first order with Sunday Scaries, use the code Sucker at sundayscaries.com. That's 25% off your first order at and Enter the code Sucker where it asks for a coupon on the checkout page. Find out what product might be best for you for me, I think it's the gummies. No, it's the tincture. Do you know what? It's the tincture. Just drop it straight on. Um, go to sundayscaries.com and use the code sucker. Okay, let's get back to Joe and Jordan.
0: All right, so next up for me, my third prediction, our fifth prediction overall. We're in Group F, LAFC, the Los Angeles Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, and the Portland Timbers. My very specific prediction for Group F is that this group well, have more attempted dribbles than any other four team group. So I'm sorry, group A. I know MLS fixed your, your eligibility for the playoffs, <laughs> which we talked about last week. And, and I know other people online have talked about it as well. And so that was the just and right thing to do, but they're not allowed in this, in this uh, conversation because they have more teams and are at an unfair advantage against these four team groups in terms of attempted dribbles. So in this group, Jordan, we've got LASC, as I mentioned. I mean, I can think of some high-volume dribblers on LAFC. Yeah. To name a few, mm-hmm. Carlos yeah. Vela, Brian Rodriguez, Latif Blessing. I mean, they have plenty, right? Then you've got yeah. the Galaxy. Christian Pavon, huge dribbler. He's, he's always able to take someone on in MLS, especially because the quality of the defense is mm-hmm. still disproportionately valued compared to the quality of the attack. Then you've got Houston. And you've got <laughs> Albert Elise. That's, I mean, that's right? the guy for Houston Dynamo yeah. in terms of dribbling. Portland doesn't have as many guys that I think of as, as being top of mind in terms of dribbling. And I actually went and looked at the rankings to back this stuff up, right? Because those guys were all kind of what I was thinking through in my head before I looked this up. Carlos Vela is number one in 2019 in terms of attempted dribbles with five per game. Then Christian Pavon and Darwin Quintero, another Houston guy that I did not think of originally. Right, and, right. Numbers two and three with 4.9 dribbles per game. Brian Riga... Brian Rodriguez at number four with 4.7. Then you dip down just a little bit. Albert Elise is number 11 with 4.2. And Blessing at number 17. Group F minus the oh Portland Timbers. Gosh. They love to dribble, Jordan. This is going to be dribble central in Group F, which we both know stands for fun now, right? Yeah. I can't take it yeah. back. It stands for fun. No, you can't. Dribbles left and right. I swear we're going to see a ton of them in this group.
1: Which makes me also think of a couple other things. We're going to see a lot of dribbles. We're going to see a lot of fouls. Yep. Yep. And we're going to see a lot of really good tackles, right? Because if somebody is on the dribble, you're going to have to stop them one way, and either you're going to tackle them or you're going to foul them.
0: Yep. Yeah, um, th- there's only two options here, pretty much.
1: So group F could also stand for fouls at the end of the
0: <laughs> That's good. We Group F has got so much love from us. It's got two nicknames now. Oh my goodness. It but does. it's true, right? I mean, we're going to see a lot of fun attacking in this group. I mean, yeah. Unless there's a ton of rust and we don't really see these teams play how they want to. I mean, LAFC, it kind of goes without saying as long as they can not make too many mistakes with the ball. The Galaxy right. can be fun to watch if they're in transition especially, I think. Just the idea of Christian Pavon out on the open field which getting leads balls from to the mid- Exactly, which leads to yeah. dribbles. Maybe receiving balls out of midfield from Sebastian and and Jonah, Jonah Santos, then you've got Chicharito up top working in between the center backs higher up the field. Houston as well, right? We, they're still a big wild card. I talked about this last week. We don't really know how they're going to shape up under Tab Ramos. We know how he wants to play, but that's a totally different right. thing than how they're actually going to play. Either way, we're going to get to see Albert Elise, you know, likely for the first time in 2020. So that's another huge thing as well. And then the Portland Timbers, I've got something else on them later. So don't worry, Portland Timbers fans. We're coming back around. Group okay. F, though. Going to be group dribble, going to be group foul. Um, We're going to see lots of attacking action.
1: (laughs) Which is interesting because I actually don't think they're going to be the group with the most fouls, which I actually was planning on talking about at some point. Okay, all right. Well, let's
0: get closer to that eventual conversation. Jordan, what's up next for you?
1: Okay, I'm going to group E. And group E has Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, and Columbus Crew SC. I am going to go to Cincy. Okay. I'm we'll going to about, we'll talk about Cincinnati a little bit. Uh, Yuya Kubo and Jurgen Lacadia are going to combine for three goals in the tournament.
0: Okay. Okay. I'm thinking that through. Continue. Okay.
1: So, uh, in my, my thought, it's probably going to be a lot of, uh, Kubo to Lacadia. And I-, I saw this connection start to develop and, when I watched back the game against Atlanta and I really started to look at both of their movements. So Kubo is smooth on the ball when he hasn't had his feet. It's really hard to predict what he's going to do next. Hmm. And I actually think that was a detriment to the chances that Cincinnati created in that game against Atlanta. So the runs were just slightly off because they didn't know if he was going to take another touch that the player wanted it um, before that extra touch instead of after. And then the movement was just slightly off. So Kubo ball at his feet, really solid. Lacadia is a smart player, right? I like his work off the ball, which I thought, uh, which I saw a lot of against Atlanta in that game in March. So he has runs off the ball that make defenders respect the space that he's trying to uh, um, get into. Right. So his intense um, effort to try to break the back line, so as Cincinnati builds the ball up, he will run with pace to try to ba- break the back line and try to say, okay, play me through if you if you guys don't respect this run, then i'm going to get break the back line and i'm going to get the ball in behind right. But what that does is it softens up the defense and then he quickly on a dime can just pivot and switch the way his run is and, and receive the ball at his feet. And he's good on the dribble facing the goal. Right. We've seen him score some goals. If you watch any highlights of him, he's he's good um, shooting from distance. So I think the combination of these two things, of Kubo, of LaCadia, with the ball at their feet, um, with their knowledge of each other that they've developed over the last few months, even just watching back that game right, mm. and being able to see the movements of the other player and how Kubo has the ball at his feet. I think they learned a lot from that. And then I'm sure that this is only developing even more as they've been training with uh, as a team for the last um, few weeks now. So I think these two are going to combine and uh, potentially shock a few a few teams.
0: All I'm thinking about as you're going through that is I really hope that Yuya Kubo and Jurgen Locadia were roommates in this In all of this craziness, (laughs) right? right? I mean, yeah, there are plenty of other ways to develop chemistry, but I just feel like that would be such a perfect situation for FC Cincinnati. Maybe their front office, you know, pigeonhole them into a room together, into an apartment or whatever it is for them (laughs) to share the same space, (laughs) right? right? Just because it seems to me that FC Cincinnati's attacking hopes rely a lot on those two guys, right? Yeah. That's kind of what you just walked us through. If these two players can combine and figure out each other's attacking tendencies, which takes time in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. it takes understanding, it takes film, it takes all of these things. If they can do that, SC Cincinnati is going to have a dangerous attacking group. It's that simple. I mean, that's not going to solve all their problems. Their their midfield, especially with Madunian and now, who brings a ton of attacking benefit, but defensively is is not much help. Um, He leaves them a lot like Swiss cheese a lot of the time. Setting the defensive issues aside if these two guys, these two attacking playmakers that they just brought in this season can get on the same page and actually have an understanding of when to combine, when to have Locadia running through the back line, all the things that you detailed for us, Jordan, mm-hmm. if they can do that, this team's going to be hard to stop in the attack. And that's not something that we've said about FC Cincinnati so far in MLS.
1: Well, and I think two people look at group E and everybody's eyes are going to go to Atlanta, right? And say that they're the favorite to get out of this group. And I think one of the benefits that Cincinnati has is they've played against Atlanta already this season. So you've matched up against them. I would say there were moments where Cincinnati was successful in breaking Atlanta down. So they gained confidence in that. And I think that that's what you need is just like, we can do it. Like we can beat them. It's just another team. So I think that they have that on their side as well. Um, and that's one of their their matches. So think if they if they score two goals that in that game, that's that's two of the three that I said they'll combine for.
0: Absolutely. OK, so three, three goal contributions, um, three goals combined for these two yeah. players for FC Cincinnati. All right. I'm moving us forward. We are on to my fourth prediction. We're back in Group D. RSL, okay. SKC, Colorado and Minnesota United, mm-hmm. as I said a few minutes ago. Eunice Namly and Gadi Kinda will have at least five 1v1 battles when the Colorado Rapids and Sporting Kansas City play on Friday, July 17th.
1: Ooh, you think? I'm interested because I feel like um, Kinda is a little bit higher up on the field, but I don't know.
0: You're right. So that, that is one thing that I wanted to bring to light here is Gadi Kinda played a much bigger role in high-pressing in the first two games of the season for SKC for Peter Vermeer okay. than he did playing deeper in midfield. But there are a couple ways that I see these 1v1 battles developing. First of all, okay. let's set the scene, right? Normally is the playmaker for Robin Frazier's Colorado Rapids. We both yes. love him. Like, I think I might like him a little too much in terms of how he plays. He's so good. <laughs> He's, so good. He's so good. He sits. Some... It, is that
1: a poster on, a, on your wall behind you? It of might be. No, it might kidding. be. Um, uh, you weren't
0: supposed to see that, Jordan. Uh, no. But, I mean, he's so silky smooth on the ball. He's just, I mean, he is one of the best players in Major League Soccer, right? I I absolutely love his game. I love that the Rapids could bring him in. He sits, a lot of times, he starts plays at the top of the midfield in their 4-2-3-1 or as one of the advanced central midfielders in a 4-3-3. Because I'm honestly not sure what shape the Rapids possess the ball in. And that's fine. We can talk about that another time. But because he's often causing havoc up higher up the field, that's a matchup that he has to deal with, that SKC are going to have to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. You pair that attacking midfielder with the central defensive midfielder. That's right. Um right. Ilya brings a lot to the table, but he's a little bit like Medunyanin that I just talked about uh, in that he he's not the fastest guy defensively, right? His positioning is good and he can get into someone if he's close to them, but there's no way he can deal with Namli in the open field, right? Yeah. Unless something else changes for SKC to make that happen. I'm thinking this is a great time to use Gady King's defensive versatility right? He's mobile, energetic. Yeah. Why not move Keinda a little bit lower down the field and have him just deal with Nomly? Not Manmark, but just keep an eye, help Ilié. Maybe you shift to more of a double pivot in midfield just for moments of this game to get Keinda matched up with Nomly, which is a much more favorable matchup for SKC than Ilié being, you know, tasked with dealing with Nomly in his movement and his runs in the midfield.
1: Yeah, I like that. I think that's really well thought out. And intricate in the way that you were describing that because i think it's really realistic too that they would do make that switch and i really i i think those are two of the players that i'm most excited about their entrance into mls is yeah when i watched keen to play in the first couple games i was like
0: he's good he's good right i mean i saw him in preseason um for skc down here in Tucson. And he, I knew nothing about him at the time. I knew his name and that was about it. And he really stood <laughs> out in preseason, which yeah. is not, you know, the end all and be all. But then he brought that into the first two weeks of MLS as well. And mm-hmm. nomly I know I cut you off before you could get to nomly but it's the same situation. Really talented guy, really great addition for the league, just like Kinda.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good, I like that prediction.
0: I don't know. I'm not Peter Vermees. Um, no, you're There's not. a very good chance it's that okay. this doesn't happen. But again, these are very specific predictions and and we've never been wrong before, obviously. Well, never, no, no. I have
1: never been wrong. Of course it's not. Pretty, it's pretty remarkable too. It
0: is. It's. I mean, we're just too good. So five one v one battles between Keenda and anomaly okay. when these two teams play on Friday, July seventeenth. So mark that day on your calendar. That's yeah. going to be a good game to watch, even regardless of these two players.
1: I think we should for our we should definitely talk about that at some point too, if that happens, because I think that's something that. Um, just that tactics is going to be interesting for us to chat about
0: it, i mean yeah I, I i teased out this conversation like of these two teams last week because i kind of mm-hmm. skipped over them when we were analyzing group d in our mls assist mls's back tournament ex- extravaganza there it is right um yeah. because i just knew i was going to want to talk about it this week and i still want to talk about it more but maybe this isn't the time or the place because these two teams man these are these are fun teams to watch, and their coaches are doing great things for these right. squads. So, yeah, big fan of how these teams are progressing, and I'm excited to see them play.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I'm gonna keep us rolling then. All right. I'm let's going do it. back to the Wild Wild East, <laughs> <laughs> the Wild Wild West. Group A: uh, Orlando City, Inter Miami, New York City, Philadelphia, Chicago, and Nashville. All right, I'm going, this is where I am talking the the fouls, right? I think that this group is going to produce the most fouls. And I'm saying Orlando will take the most set pieces and Nani will score one Golazo from a set piece.
0: I respect how you kind of took advantage of Group A's largeness to have them have the most fouls, right? Because they are in an advantage because there are okay, going to be we more games.
1: Do, we'll ask American Soccer Analysis to make sure that everything is the right <laughs> the right um, percentages, right?
0: Yeah, we'll have them do some long division for us and divide this yeah. by six. I think that's perfect. Um, okay, okay, but this is why. This, why, is,
1: why. this yeah. is why I think... Um, not only will they have the most fouls in that group, but why, why Orlando will have the most set pieces. Uh, first with fouls. I said it before, six teams, five new coaches, two expansion teams. When teams aren't cohesive, they give up mm. defensive mistakes. And defensive mistakes lead to fouls and typically lead to fouls in situations around the box, right? Where there's little moments of lapse mentally and you have to make a decision. And a lot of the times that decision ends up being... Um, a poor one that leads to a free kick. Yeah, so I yeah. think Group A will be giving up a lot of the, those opportunities with the groups in that I've already talked about Inter Miami FC and um, the wildness I think that their, their back line could mm-hmm. have
0: with. Yeah, good good gracious. They could have all the fouls in this group on their own with Figal and LGP kind of doing whatever they want.
1: Well, my, my other prediction that I was flirting with is that inter Miami would get a red card in the back line in the first game against Oh, Arango. that would have been
0: good. But it fits under this umbrella too. It game, does.
1: Yeah, I think that first game there could be a red card in in Miami's um just it's a lot to handle, right? Yeah. And one of the things I think um that Orlando has is they have these attacking players who can get at you with a little bit of, like, they're feisty, right? Orlando's feisty. They've got Mueller, Dwyer, Akindeli, Pereira, Nani, and then even Juan, who gets into dangerous positions mm-hmm. on the, the flank. He likes to get up and attack. So when you have those players um that get after you, um Dom Dwyer draws a lot of fouls. Nani, I think he's one of the best maybe um that we've seen – over the years, right, drawing fouls yeah. time and time again. So this is a team who is good at drawing fouls. And then, okay, how many times have we seen Nani hit a free kick to perfection <laughs> and celebrate with his flip, right? Like, a lot
0: of times. Too many
1: too many times to count. So that's my prediction that um, Orlando is going to get the most set pieces and Nani is going to score one Golasso from that set piece.
0: Chris Miller is very much a downhill sort of vertical threat direct guy either foul me or I'm gonna foul you or I'm gonna run right by you and score a goal Nani's finesse on the ball and his his ability to separate a little bit with his first couple steps even if he doesn't have the the end line speed still and the rest of those guys you mentioned Dom Dwyer especially that's a Mm -hmm. great great point I think that's kind of Dom Dwyer's brand in a lot of ways is just being a pain to deal with so why not have these things all in one team that's Oscar Pereja
1: Yeah, he just like scratches at you. right? (laughs) He's so good. But I think one of the the things that also separates Dom Dwyer is his ability to play the mental game.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Great, fantastic player. But also mentally, he just is on a different... I I think there's times where he's just like, you don't want to play against him because you just know that he's going to test you.
0: I was literally just thinking that, actually. Before you even said you don't want to play against him, I was thinking about if I was a center back in MLS... I would, I just, I don't want to deal with Dom Dwyer, right? There are forwards that I'm probably more afraid of in terms of (laughs) their abilities, right? I mean, I might be more afraid of Maro Minotas or a bear or, you know, any number of other guys, but Dom Dwyer, man, you like, you get up and you're playing Orlando city and it's like, ah, I gotta, I gotta go defend Dom Dwyer for 90 minutes. And that's not going to be fun for either of us, you know? Right. I don't know. I think that's a big asset for Orlando city though. I really do. Yeah. Okay. Fouls, free kicks and a non-eagle. I'm here yeah. for it. <laughs> All right. So my, my final, very specific prediction for our MLS's back preview episode, I suppose, is we're back in group F. Um, this is a group I talked about a little bit before as being the attacking group with lots of dribbles coming in. So we've got LAFC, the Los Angeles Galaxy, Houston Dynamo, and the Portland Timbers. And the Timbers are the one team I didn't mention before, but I'm still going to touch on one of their attackers with this prediction. So here we go. Okay. My very specific prediction is that Jeremy Abobesey, We'll have more expected goals and expected assists per minute than any other player in this tournament. Hmm. OK, so let's okay. dive in. Let's dive yeah. in. Uh, this one needs some explaining like my first one did. So a quick reminder of what expected goals and expected assists are before we get into the rest of this. I'd love to have Elliot McKinley just pop up above my left shoulder and talk into the <laughs> microphone here. But I wrote down some of what he, he and I talked about before when he was on the show. Expected goals measures shot quality. It rewards players who get into and shoot from dangerous spots, right? So it's essentially assigning a value of the likelihood of the shot going in. Mm -hmm. Expected assists assigns the value of the shot, right, of the expected goal value to the player that passed to the shooter. It makes perfect sense, right? If I pass the ball to Jordan and she shoots and her shot is worth 0.5 expected goals and had a 50% chance of going in, I get 0.5 expected assists, right? Pretty straightforward. Yeah. So we've got the terminology set here. Why Why is Jeremy Abobase the guy who's going to have more per minute than any other player in this tournament? Well, it's because he doesn't really have a spot in the starting 11 for Gio Savarese. That's been the story, especially of last season for Abobase. He, he got a good number of minutes, but he played as a center forward, as a left winger, occasionally even as a right winger, scoring goals. Yes, he scored 11 goals last year, but there was no consistency with where he was going to be in the lineup. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, okay, Jordan, this is gonna be the year, right? This is Abobussi's year. Brian Fernandez no longer with the Timbers. Right. This is his year to start as the number nine. No. No. Felipe Moore is brought in. He grabs the number nine spots. Okay, maybe that's fine. He can Abobusy can play out on the wing or maybe in midfield. No, okay, Jimmy Chara's in here and we have Diego Valeri and Sebastian Blanco. Yeah. So where does Jeremy Abobisi go? Well, he goes on the bench. He's a perfect impact sub, though, right? Yeah. I mean, if we've got to find a spot for a that's not in the starting lineup, why not have him be that electric player off the bench? He's not the fastest guy. He's not the most skilled guy, but he's good at so many different things. Finding space, yeah. moving. He's using left foot. He's good with both feet, actually, but using his left foot to get into dangerous spots and either shoot the ball or pass in, in, into a teammate in the box or whatever it is. He's really almost a positionless guy. So in a lot of ways, I respect Gio Savarese's difficulty of finding a spot for him. Right. But if he comes into the into this tournament off the bench, he can play literally four spots in the attack, five spots in the attack. There are minutes there, and there are expected goals and expected assists for Abobasi to grab.
1: Well, right when you were starting to beginning to explain this, I was thinking Abobasi is a really cerebral player. Yeah. In my opinion, he thinks the game just differently than other players, which. Is a benefit, especially if you are a player coming off the bench. Like, I know I was a player, right? And I wanted to play every single minute. But then I started to also understand that if, even if you didn't play every other, every minute, you had a, maybe even a greater chance to impact the game just by observing on the bench and coming in and trying to exploit what you've hmm. seen. And I think that he has the ability to do that. And so that doesn't shock me that you gave him, you know, the two highest percentages of expected goals and expected assists, because I think he could do that.
0: There's a game from last year, I think was against the Columbus crew, and it was a lot of Jeremy Obobese in that game floating between the lines. And that's not, he's not really a prototypical attacking midfielder. Like he's not the, right. the shoulder check, drop the shoulder, you know, dip and then, and take a first touch in the direction you want to go. He can do those things, but he's not the, the Diego Valeri of this team. He's Jeremy Obosi, but in that role between the lines, right in front of the back line, especially he can turn and play a teammate in behind the line in ways that I just wasn't expecting him to do in that game. Right. And that allows him, I mean, that's a perfect example of what you're saying, Jordan. He has an understanding of space and how to set up his teammates and especially how to exploit that space when coming off the bench. So you really can't blame Gio Savarese too much for not starting him. And that's why I think Abobasi is going to embrace that super sub role in this tournament. Mm -hmm. He's going to be really effective in that role.
1: Yeah. I like that. I like it. All right. Should I round us? Should I round it out? Do it. Okay, I'm going back to Group E. Again, to remind you, Group E is Atlanta United, FC Cincinnati, New York Red Bulls, and Columbus Crew SC. So one of the benefits that we have of all this technology, Joe, right now, is we can re-watch games from the beginning of the year, right? Yep. But we only have like a few that we can watch on ESPN+, which is still nice to be able to watch some. Sure. So I, I had mentioned earlier, I watched back that Cincinnati-Atlanta game. And so I'm going to go to Atlanta United for my last prediction. And one of the things that I um, started to notice was just movement off the ball, of course. And I um, am predicting e- Ezekiel Barco re- will receive the most through balls in the group stage of this tournament. Okay. I think one of the things is we've seen Barco play for a couple of years now, right, in MLS. And uh, when he came, when it came to that game um, between Atlanta and Cincinnati back at home in March, Barco's movement really caught my eye. Mm. So the through balls can really come from a, a number of players in the way that atlanta plays in that 3421 barco plays one of those two attacking players right and right now they have adam john as that top number nine player. But what I started to notice, and especially in this game against Cincinnati, and I think that this will continue to be a trend with Barco and Pitti Martinez as those two other attacking players, is John would come far off the back line to come to receive the ball. So then the formation and the way that they were attacking, Atlanta was tacking attacking, looked more like a two or a three two, three two. So John comes all the way back into almost like a a midfield space um, with the three defenders, the two defensive mids, and then three attacking midfielders. And Barco and Pitti Martinez are all the way up, like Hmm. higher than Adam John. So when he drops back like that, it allows... Barco and Martinez to just assess the back line and see which gap is is kind of been created by whichever player has stepped towards John, right? And there must have been five what I can count as five opportunities in that game alone where Barco is just receiving a ball either from Remedi or from uh, uh Meza coming through the midfield in yeah. this up back and through almost kind of relationship or kind of sequence on the ball and barco's just off right and he he ends up doing numerous things in that game to help create for atlanta but i think that this is a so a strategy that they're going to continue to implement in order to find some space where there might not be a lot of space in this tournament right try that quick counter up back through get barco in as quickly as possible
0: i really like um highlighting Barco's movement there because I think that mm-hmm. that is something he's very good at and he's good at using his speed to accomplish things yeah he's good on the ball right that's half of his game I think for but sure. then the other half in possession at least is he can break the back line he can make runs that are really really difficult for opposing back lines to deal with because he's so quick so if if Meza if Hindman if Remedi if you know whoever it is even Pitti Martinez may be dropping and coming yeah. over to that side can play Barco behind that line that's going to be really hard to stop for for teams coming up against Atlanta.
1: Yeah, and you you said that about Pity Martinez because there were a couple sequences where Pitti Martinez would come underneath John mm-hmm. and be that creator, right, and that playmaker, and find the run of you know whoever it may be because Atlanta is so free flowing in attack. But it you know typically if Barco didn't receive the ball, he was in a space where he was trying to either drag and defender out of a space and then Atlanta use that space to attack, whether it's on the wing or in the channel or, um, you know, maybe uh, to keep possession wide. But Barco was always, that effort was always there to try to break the back line, to try to find a way to cut through and get to goal as quickly as possible.
0: And because Pitti Martinez is never going to make that run. I mean, he's not right. He He might make it a few times.
1: He made it a few times. Yes. But I think, I think, but I think it's not as consistent.
0: He's just, and he doesn't have the speed. Barco is fast. Pitti Martinez is a little, a little more lumbery, at least to me. Maybe I'm remembering wrong.
1: No, I, I think that the the through ball that I'm thinking of with Pitti Martinez receiving it is just a, something to break the back line where he's receiving the ball on a good timed run hmm. to get in behind the defense. And what he typically does in that space is he, an early cross to runners who are, crashing the box right, right? because right. maybe he doesn't have the speed to then get to the end line or then dribble at somebody um, I wouldn't say he's slow by any means but I don't think he has the same um, quickness and initial you know uh, few steps as Barco does
0: so I'll be watching now for those runs yeah. from the attacking midfielders but especially Barco when that number nine for Atlanta United drops back what was the prediction again one more time Jordan just so we end with the the exact language of our final very specific prediction
1: Ezekiel Barco will receive the most through balls in the tournament. Whoa. So Atlanta are gonna go
0: far. I don't that's, know. That's kind of well, I mean, <laughs> leave it up to the listeners to decide right? if that's what Jordan's alluding to. Right. Okay. Jordan, we did it. We did ten we did very specific MLS's back tournament predictions. The
1: predictions are done. So <laughs> MLS is back.
0: Yeah, we're we're so close. We're inching ever closer. <laughs> we'll be back next week with more MLS's back coverage. Jordan, thanks so much for chatting with me today.
1: Yeah, Joe, this was great. Thanks so much.